0: The truth. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to a new and special episode of The Nausea Show. It's a show that aims to establish a greater sense of connectivity around the world. As you know, it's your host, Eamon Naja. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, EamonWNajah, and Twitter, Naja. And don't forget, The Nausea Show does have its own official Instagram page. Check it out. It's show. It's on my story as usual. It's on my bio. It's everywhere. Check it out. Follow, like the content. You already know the vibes. Also, don't forget to drop a like on this track. Send it to your friends and let me know what you think. (laughs) Now, today, are you done coughing? (laughs) Today, I have two special guests one who's coughing, one who's okay. (laughs) I have Abdullah on my right and Zina on my left. How about you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Abdullah, we'll start with you.
1: All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Abdullah. Uh, I come from Los Angeles, California. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else, what else? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> all right, Abdullah from LA. Uh,
2: and my name is Zina, and I am all the way from uh, Jerusalem, Palestine.
0: All right. Wow. So we got we got a bunch of Arabs. <laughs> 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 all right. So today's topic is going to be very interesting. Um, Abdullah, you're we're both Persian, right? Our parents immigrated. Yes, And we were both born in the country. Zina, your situation is a bit different. We'll talk more about it. So the conversation for today is sort of what is it like to to be first gen? And what is it like to sort of come from a different place and transition to the U.S.? So this whole new entity. So the first question that I want to pose is essentially what has been your like as a first genner? And I'll talk more about that too and answer the question. Versus someone who's like coming here, transitioning to the United States. What has been like sort of the biggest difficulty? In that process
1: well I think as a first-gen it's difficult for me to establish my um, my heritage mainly because right. it well it hasn't been as hard for me because in LA we have a diverse community but I felt at times if I were an immigrant it would have been easier for me to maintain my identity especially as a Muslim and as an Arab
0: all right Wait, so you talked about community you talked about immigrant Muslim Arab. Is it immigrant, if you've come here, it's easier to uh, maintain your identity or an immigrant back home?
1: I feel like both ways. As long as um, one would grow up with a sense of the, with all the culture that yeah. their heritage has, I feel like it's easier to maintain that way.
0: Interesting. Okay. Zina, that about you? Um,
2: well, I think, I agree with Abdullah. I think that I've seen many first-gen Palestinian-Americans who have tried moving back to Palestine and living in various cities, and they've found it difficult to reconnect with their culture because that's not what they grew up with. Right. Well, for me, I ha- I moved to the States to study for sure, but I still carry my culture with me everywhere. I like that. It's a big part of my identity.
0: I like that. So you said you're Palestinian. Abdullah, where are you from? from? What's your
1: family <laughs> origin? My family is originally from Syria.
0: Okay, so we have a Suri, we have a Palestinian <laughs> And we have uh, a Maghrebi, <laughs> the, 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 the fire, the true Arabs. Not going to lie to you. Oh. <laughs> to Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Anyways, Abdullah, so let me ask you this. Zina, for you, I'd assume that if you were to go back to Palestine, it'd be pretty, it'd be fundamentally easier to transition to integrate and live there, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was there
2: that? visiting my family during winter breaks and it wasn't like any different.
0: than, than yeah. if I So had no cultural there. barrier, no language oh. barrier, nothing of that sort. Not at all. Abdullah, for you, if you would say, w- would it be hard for you to go back to, to Syria and live there and let's say, integrate and just fully unpack your bags and stay there for a long time, or would it be hard?
1: I would like to say no. I'd like to say that it would be fairly easy. But definitely, well, the last time I visited Syria was about 10 years ago, uh, and I was at a young age. But I had some background in Arabic because Mm -hmm. I went to an Arabic school. But at the same time, I realized that within the first couple weeks, I couldn't formulate complete sentences in Arabic. Mm -hmm. And I would have to often look at my mom uh, and ask her what my cousins were saying. Right. But after a couple of weeks, I kind of got uh, used to it. But overall, I think if I were to go back, yes, there would be a transition phase where I'd have to get to know the culture more, the language, right. and reconnect.
2: And I think I think it would be similar to Palestine. I think Arabs are, they create communities that are really tightly knit. Mm. And so yeah. to have someone who's not, who hasn't grown up in that community come back and be introduced to all members of them would be very difficult. Well at the beginning
0: for mm-hmm. sure. Abdullah would you go back? Let me ask you that. Let's that, say things yeah. dialed down a bit under, you know like Inshallah. the region Inshallah, you know the region went back to how it was. Would you go back and would you live with family? Would you stay there? Would you work there? Would you build a new life for you there?
1: Yes, I think I would because (laughs) growing up, I definitely felt the difference of having close family versus friends Mm -hmm. Um, because when I grew up, I only had my close family of five members and I would see my peers and my friends with all their larger families Uh, and it's pretty typical with Arabs to have a large
0: family, especially cousins,
1: uncles, and I just feel like I've missed out on that connection.
0: Right, Zain, how about you? Considering that you've come to the U.S., there's some things that are here that are back home. Would you go back home and would you live there?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely. I don't plan on living in the states. Um, okay. I think I've come here to the states to New York for a mission that is getting a higher education. Right. But no matter what the end goal is, going back home and help it help like <laughs> help my community grow.
0: i like like, because we had the conversation <coughs> the, the other day. And we brought up a good point. We talked about, like, let's say the next generation. So our kids, for example. Yeah. Many agree in the sense that we would want our kids to be raised back home. Yes. Why would you want that? I just wanted to pick your brains more about well, that.
2: Well, I, I have some friends who have grown up, for the most part, in the States. Palestinians. Right. Um, and they've come back. And their culture is not like mine. Like, as much mm. as their parents have taught them about Palestine and the the occupation, the culture, the traditions and everything, they still lack one final piece. Mm. And I feel like I owe it to my kids for them not to experience that lack of um, connection to for sure. art culture.
0: You see, I agree, too, because there's definitely like for me, the, the biggest thing I want to say is like preserving language. Mm-hmm. But also like the family ties. Like, I've seen Moroccans, like, if you go back to Boston, Moroccans Moroccans are everywhere, bro. You can go to, like, the four corners of the world. You'll find some Moroccans. You know this is true. You've seen them. We spread like wildfire. Um, but I've seen first-geners, so people like us, born like parents immigrated in the 90s, 80s, maybe early thousands, latest. Kids were born here. Can't speak a language. Can't they don't know what, like, certain diseases are called, like, they're like, you'll put a plate of a couscous in front of them, and be like, is that rice? Like, they don't know what it is. <laughs> like, that's the apparent reality. And if you look at it, it's like, these kids haven't been to Morocco in six, seven years. And when they do go, though, they don't enjoy it. Like, they just go, they spend time with family, like but they want to go out and sport. And that's, like, that's standard of a kid. So you're stuck with a bunch of kids who their closest, essentially, like, their, their closest line of comfort or cultural attribution or connection is the United States and like a society that US paints. I was like, oh, be a teenager in this day and age. You know and I mean, so there's that issue. The other question that I wanted to ask you is, let's let's talk about parents, right? Especially your parents. Do you think, for first-geners at least, do you think they made the right decision to come to the US as someone who grew up here, as someone who, like most of the parents, when they come, they want a better life for them and therefore their kids. Do Do you think that your parents made that right decision, and do you would you have made that same decision too?
1: It's a heavy question. It is. <laughs> In a, um, I want to say yes, and I feel like I would have done the same. And if you go and ask any Arab or any foreigner, would you, if you had the opportunity to come to the United States, would you go? Um, and my parents definitely had the idea of coming to the land of the free. Uh, for a better opportunity, especially for myself and my sisters. And I feel with how Syria turned out, I feel like it's a blessing from God. I feel like it was meant to be. Uh, And I was speaking with my mom the other day, and I asked her, would you have gone back? And um, funny as it is, she was actually planning to go back that year. Wow! But then the war broke out. So I feel like if we were to go back, it would have been an experience. Um, But yeah.
0: Isn't how about you? But in the context, not not would your parent, do you think your parents should have came early on?
2: To the state? Yeah.
0: Like in that mass migration, you not like that mass migration of like 80s, 90s, 70s, maybe? Do you think your parents should have came? Like, would you have envisioned a better life for you? And this is a bit hard to answer, but just based off what you've seen so far, based on what you hear from other kids who were born and raised here, do you, or could you envision a better life if you were born here? And you, know, and you like, you, in built a, yeah, yes. you built a life. Yeah, you built a
2: life here. Um, um I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I would have had a better life because well, it de- it, de- it 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 de- mm, it depends on how we define a better life. So for me, I'm incredibly um connected to my homeland. And right. for me, I think growing up experiencing the discrimination, the occupation, all the disadvantages that come that that have come with it and realizing what I have to do is um has helped me shape uh or like has guided me through like my first semester at Columbia and I think that if I did grow up in the states I would grow up with different values um I would put I wouldn't put my homeland first I would put myself first but because I grew up back home right I have learned to put my homes need before my own.
0: Interesting. Talking about your homes need, what was what would you say for you personally mm-hmm. was essentially the hardest part of leaving and coming here.
2: The hardest part? You're right. I think leaving family. Leaving family, sure. I have plenty of cousins, plenty <laughs> of relatives that I can hardly count you know now are you
1: saying that just to make me feel bad (laughs) no
2: (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) but it's true um i have a 10 year old brother who is back home with my mom and she's helping him with school every day and i'm missing out on a big part of him growing up right and i came back during winter break and i'm like wow like it's only been four months and you're like a little kid now it's incredible I also, like, feel like I have, there's so much time, there's actually such little time that you could spend with your family, and I'm not there to spend it with them, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that was one of the hardest parts of leaving Palestine, coming to the States, family.
0: Abdullah, for you, what what would you say was the hardest part of growing up as a (laughs) first-gen? Like hearing all the stories. I mean, you your, lived in L.A. I so. mean, yeah, you lived in L.A. <laughs> we got the nice weather. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if she should complain. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> what would you say was the hardest part? And what was like... So this is some sort of a difficulty question, yeah. but like, what would you say was like...
1: I definitely... Going back to the same response that I had, missing out on that family aspect. Mm. But I am kind of thankful in a sense that we did come out to the States because if you ask most people who grew up in the Middle East... Well, at least from my experience, they have a stronger tie to their culture more so than their religion. Mm. Um, I think it's because I grew up in an environment where, as a minority, I was Muslim, right, and that helped me personally with my growth in my religion and delving further in to what I wouldn't have if I grew up back in the Middle East because you're surrounded by Muslims. Mid- you're surrounded by a majority of Muslims, so you wouldn't often question how you present yourself or you wouldn't be confronted by questions like, oh, what is Islam or what what do you believe as a Muslim? But I encounter that on a day-to-day basis and I think that's helped me grow.
0: I like that.
2: So, So you're saying that because there isn't that large, well, there is a large Middle Eastern community in LA, you found yourself being more attached to the fact that you're Muslim than that you're an Arab.
1: Yes and no. In a sense, I feel like I've learned more about my religion mm-hmm. than I would have, but I feel like both of them play a large role in my life, and both of them, they're fairly equal to me, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've learned more.
2: About Islam. Yeah. I think that's not that really the case back home for me, at least, because a lot of... M- growing up i lived in a community that is largely muslim and it was like we didn't care what someone's religion was i wouldn't look at my peer and be like oh amen is muslim or like is christian let's just oh that's not the name (laughs) but you get the idea um it was uh as we say in arabic we never really cared about what someone's religion is and people who aren't as religious as you'd think uh, of a group of people
1: living in the Middle and East. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. In a sense, like, I'm saying if I grew up back home, um, I definitely feel like my religion would have been a strong part of my identity, but I feel like I wouldn't have learned as much. And I, it's, it's in a sense, good and bad, because I feel like now we discriminate people more in the United States based off of their religion more mm-hmm. so than in the Middle East. Yeah, uh, And I've seen that even with my mom. When I ask her, for example, oh, um, when did you know the different sects of Islam, or when did you know your friends were Christian? She was like, "I never knew who was who. Yeah, we were just friends ah. based off of who you are."
2: Yeah, I feel yeah. like for many of my friends and for me, um, when it comes to identity, I identify as Palestinian first, Arab mm-hmm. second, and Christian third. Like that is the hierarchy of my identity. I don't know if it's it would be the same thing for you, but a lot of my friends like. One of my friends, Omar, he says I'm Palestinian, Arab, and then muslim so religion was never really an issue, or like that large of a topic to be t-
1: talked about. See, so that's that's the difference that yeah. I feel like I've kind of missed out on, but at the same time, there's always cons and um, um, cons and positive aspects of everything.
2: Yeah,
0: that's very because that was like, that, you brought up a good point because if someone was to tell me describe yourself, I start off with um. Muslim. And then Moroccan, and then like. See, I start off ago. with
1: just I'm an American Muslim. Interesting. But
2: you start I off as an American Muslim.
0: So do you consider yourself to be more American or more Syrian? How would you answer that question? If someone if someone asked you where you're from, do you say I'm from LA? Well, yeah, you'd say from LA, but like, do you say from LA or from I'm Syria? I'm from Syria.
1: So if I'm talking to one of you guys or someone who comes from the Middle East right. or someone who's aware of the country, I would say Syria. Right. But and then if i'm in like a classroom setting i would say oh i'm from la but and then my family is originally from syria
0: interesting cuz if someone asked me that say i'm from morocco but i i was born and raised in boston that's what i always say cuz again i don't look visibly american like i don't you know what i mean like i'm not trying to- <laughs> <laughs> like it's for me it's like american like you see someone you know they're american like long lineage family dates back to like you know what i mean like, you can clearly tell that we're all immigrants. Like, we we have different names. We look different. Different skin tones. But it's it's visible. Like, you can't deny that it's visible. You can clearly tell here's he's American. He's not. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that everyone has innately. And you can identify. Because again, if someone's from the same region as you. Like, I, I have this, what I like to call this Moroccan radar. If I see someone, like, I can tell if they're Moroccan or not. I might get confused in Algerian, but yeah, Algeria. Uh, oops. Oops. What? Oh, pause. But anyways, back to… Back to what you brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. So l- let's transition to talking about like Arab real quick. Most Arab are denoted. Like if when people say like Arab here Arab, like they know like Muslim Islam. Mm-hmm. Has that ever been a problem for you?
2: No. Not back home at least.
0: Here, um, I'm but here,
2: I mean, the first time I talked to you. Yes, that's a You we were share very surprised I that was. I'm a
0: Christian Arab. It's because I've never met. It's, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've yeah. never met one here. Yeah, Like I've never met. A Christian Arab I've I know like they're Libnan's like what majority Christian, I think?
2: Libnan, yes. Majority
0: Christian. Like I I've knew I knew that. But yeah. I've never engaged them because they're not in again in the community. Like my community was mostly Muslim. Like you go to the masjid, you see a bunch of all the Muslims. See, that's the point that I'm, I'm trying I mean? to
1: make. When you're here in the United States, I feel like there's a larger Muslim population and it, they're easier to find than the Arabs. Right. So that's I mean,
2: because there are a lot of I mean
1: because Arabs Muslims, Muslims come Muslims, from all yeah, over exactly. the world. Yeah,
2: exactly. can be Pakistani Muslims. right? And so that's
1: the that's the part that I was saying, like, oh, I kind of lack that connection with the Arabs because it's hard to know who's Arab and who's not.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
0: I'd I'd have it, for me it'd be the other way around. For me it'd be actually no, that makes that
2: makes more sense.
0: That makes more like sense. Who didn't do you know. find
1: spending time more with back home in the United States?
0: Muslims. That, no, that's See. definitely true. But that's because all all of the Arab like back home are Muslim. You know what I mean. So again, for me, it's not we don't have that issue. There might be other communities like around the U.S., maybe around the world and other countries that have all lot of or some you know non, uh, non-Muslim, some Muslim, Christian, Jewish stuff like that, who might be I mean, there. Morocco but has a Morocco a large has a large Jews. Yeah, There's, they the came Jewish down from um, from Spain. Yeah. During the uh, Inquisition, and like it's like major designer brands like Yves Saint Laurent, he was in Morocco. And these like, big like designer brands were Jewish Moroccans. We started the brands early on, and then it blew up and escalated, which is pretty dope. The next question that I wanted to ask you guys, and this is sort of life lessons, or what would what would be something that you learned or something that, like a skill or a characteristic that you grew and developed through time by being in your position? So from coming from Palestine Street to America or being born and raised here. What, what would be something that you learned and developed
2: um well, everyone comes with a sense of like patriarchy or like a love for a country, for their right. own country. But for me, because we're under like Palestine is under his, military Is military really Israeli occupation, I think that love is amplified and <coughs> that is why I find myself putting my country's needs before my own. I think that determination to go back home and free our countries, hopefully someday soon, mm-hmm. has shaped almost every aspect of my life. And I think what I've learned is to be more determined to help
1: um, my country.
0: I like that. But what about you?
1: Um, so I think post-war, post the civil war in Syria, I felt a closer connection, even though in the beginning of my life, as I said, living in the United States, I kind of felt apart, kind of isolated. But then again, after the war broke out, I felt like it was my duty as a Syrian to represent them, to um, to voice, to be their voice. And that actually led me to volunteer more, to start more clubs at my high school, and to spread awareness about what it means to be Syrian. Wow,
2: what a good Arab, Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, for me, I'd say it's a greater sense. I, I want to call it like I did an episode about It was like the hustle, like what we grand? Because most Moroccans, when they do come, they go like you. If you make it now, it's even harder because now you have to be educated to come. Like you have to get your baccalaureate degree to come. But when they like back then, when they would come, you'd need like everyone worked in Dunkin Donuts worked like basic jobs like three jobs a day uh, three jobs like during any week like you're sleeping like four or six hours a week um, so seeing that even today I'd say it instilled in me this like greater sense of like if I don't work like th- what am I going to fall back to you know what I mean when my parents came it was like a one trip one deal type thing like they knew they were going there was no backup plan mm-hmm. you know what I mean I feel like that, like we it's very visible. Like when they came, there was clearly no backup plan. And like they had, they had kudos to every immigrant who uh, who's ever come, because you know that again, you could go back home, but your situation back home is far worse than it would be like in the United States, right? Especially if you're looking like monetary wise stuff like that. Sure, you're gonna miss out on family, but if you want the better opportunity to maybe study, um, get a good job, build like a good, chase that American dream as most people have. Um, When they came, there was no backup plan. So seeing that in my parents, seeing that in other parents as well, I was like, wait a minute, like, do I even have my own backup plan? Like, my backup plan is like I'm just going to go <laughs> back in with my parents and like call it a day. But seeing how much they sacrificed, I knew that I had to sacrifice more. If not, understand that everything that I do is on the line. And it could be taken away any moment. The next question I want to ask you guys is, would you... So, the, the U.S. is like this big hub for immigration. Like, everyone knows the U.S. Like, you come here in the American dream, stuff like that. Would you ever live in a different country? Would you immigrate to a different country and build there?
2: Other than our home?
0: Maybe? Other Yeah, other than your home. So, would you immigrate to a different country? Uh, if so, where would you go?
2: I would like to say no. But if anything wrong happens, like... Well, like, let's... Hopefully not, but if like a war breaks out in the West Bank and I'd Mm. have to flee for my life and the situation is just too horrible for us to ever come back, I would live maybe in, I would say Morocco, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, It's still an Arab country. That's true. Even though I can't understand your Arabic because it isn't Arabic. It isn't Arabic. The real
1: question is, is it Arabic?
0: It isn't. It is, hundred percent. It is. <laughs> Tell my Moroccans out there. Um, but I think stay the, strong.
2: Yeah, but I think I think Morocco is a pretty cool country. I would most definitely go live there. With I'd still be commit like, I would still be connected to my Arab identity. I don't right. know if that much to my Palestinian because I'm not there. Although that isn't the blood, um, it's still Arab.
0: Like for me. Abdullah, where would you go? You L.A. boy. <laughs> Besides L.A., <laughs> okay.
1: I don't think I've ever thought of this. Um, I don't think I would go anywhere.
0: Interesting. So you'd but stay? Would you stay in the U.S.?
1: Have, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think my backup plan would have been Syria, but okay. and then with what's going on, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? True. I might join you guys in Morocco too. Hey, yeah. Okay. Sounds <laughs> good. For me, well, I'd, first we
0: yeah. have to
2: speak the fake Arabic that you speak. Hurtful. Uh, <laughs> hurtful.
0: That's number one. Our Arabic is actually far more rich. Because again, you got a lot of mixes. Mixes of so y- coloni- listen, You want to learn French? <laughs> learn. <laughs> 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 you want to learn Spanish? Come on in. Um, Yeah, shout out to the colonizers. Yeah. We blame them.
1: Hey, not going to lie. They taught you guys how to make good sweets. That's
0: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> not all of them. No. <laughs> not all of them. I disagree with that. <laughs> Some of ours. hours. Uh, for me, I'd say I, I, I want to go to Europe. Where? Uh, where? London. I've had From my eye on London. London Le- well, with time.
2: Brexit coming on.
0: That's true. Brexit's a whole The home UK mass. won't be part of the, EU, the EU, EU anymore. Or I'd say France. I don't know. France has its own like, <laughs> Moroccan. Because problems. you can speak French. Whatever Um, I'd go to Europe. I'd go anywhere else. Because I don't know. I feel like in America, I don't want to say. It's not what it used to be.
2: America's
0: not what you used. To? Yeah, from what I, from the stories well, that I hear I blame from back the then, president. a little bit. We'll talk <laughs> about that in next episode. Stay tuned, everyone. Um, I don't know. Like, sure, there's opportunity to study. There's opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. But when I compare it to like European countries, like even like the people in Europe that I know that I've here come to Colombia or I've met along the way, they're like, yeah, like my aunt, my family friends, like we always hang out. We always we're outside playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's as if like people who immigrated there took whatever they had and f- f- brought everything with them. When you come and look in America, like, back home in Morocco, you'd see kids playing soccer on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, aunts and uncles and grandparents are moving around going to each other. In America, no one does that. You know what I mean? Like, you have to, no, th- none of it is there. Like, it you go home, yeah. it just doesn't happen. But when you look at, like, some European countries, oh, it's there. Like, it's, it's purely there. you think that. it's
2: because there's a larger immigrant population then?
0: I'd say it's yeah. because they went earlier. Yeah, I, I think so. Because the Moroccans in France, like right now, they're reaching like third gen, like third, second gen. Yeah, nice. like that's how old that's like because they've been going for uh, for a while. My aunt, she went when she was 18. That was what, 1960s. Oh wow! So she went a while back. Wait, was she? No, she wasn't born in 42. She was born, I think, 48. So she went in like yeah, the mid 60s, early mm-hmm. 70s. When you, like, the the Moroccans there are so old and so integrated that it's as if, like, they're like, screw the French system, we're going to do what we want to (laughs) do. And that's beautiful. Here, you can't do that. Like, here, there's high levels of... Like, there's racism, too, in France. But here, there's a lot of, like, generalizations. There's a lot of marginalizations. There's a lot of racism. There's a lot of institutional racism. There's, like, so many things that limit your ability to establish your own form of culture and society that you have to conform, Mm -hmm. which I don't like. that That conforming, like... You can't practice what you want to do. You can't live the way you used to live. Live like this now. That is very unfortunate to see. And that's what... I feel like that's the biggest issue for first-geners. Is when you go home, you see what life used to be like for your parents. And like how pure and how like joyful it was. And then you look at life now, it's like... I want to live in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. The next question I want to ask you guys, and this is... I want to say, it's not objective, it's it's very subjective, but given sort of the state of immigrants today, people who are immigrating around, what advice would you give, What if if you were to, let's say there's an immigrant family coming from Palestine or coming from Syria that want to come to America, what advice would you give them and what advice would you give their kids if they're young and coming into and everything, what would you tell them?
1: I would say state of your roots. And I would kind of prep them for what is to come or what I've experienced, even though I am first gen. Um, I definitely know coming as an immigrant kind of sets you apart. It makes you that other, that alien sometimes. Because I've personally experienced that with immigrants who came into my class, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen how they've either been bullied or they've felt left out. Um, And honestly, if they had another chance, I feel like European countries are doing a better job with welcoming immigrants right. in a sense. Um, like, for example, Germany, they welcome you with open hands. They give you um, a budget to spend in the beginning. But I feel like people who've come here, they've started off from scratch and they've stayed at that level. So immigrants I've seen who've come two years ago, they still haven't built anything yet. And they're struggling to make income.
2: Sure. I'd say kind of the same thing. Like, say to your roots... Learn your language because I think language is power.
0: Yes.
2: If you do know your language, that's another key to maybe hopefully someday going back home. If not you, your kids. Right. Um, yeah, keep those traditions, your heritage close to you because, and the family members that you have wherever you are, close to you because those those people are your link to your country and to your um heritage. That's right.
0: Abdullah, you mentioned something that I actually want to jump on to. The refugee crisis in the world. Mm-hmm. I forgot It's in the millions now. Probably tens of millions, probably if not more. What do you... I don't even know how to postpone this, but I do want to talk about it. How to question it, but... There's so many refugees coming from the Middle East, from Southeast Asia, from Central Asia, from just all over the world. There's so many refugee crises, Crises, excuse me. Do you think there's a solution to the issue. Can you solve the global refugee crisis?
1: I definitely think we can make an impact. I don't know if there's a solution, but piece by piece, you can help whatever you can. Um, I'm not sure. I, I really don't think there is a solution because fleeing to another country will only cause more problems in that country, I feel. right.
2: But it depends on what's pushing the immigration. I mean, if you if it's because of chaos, turmoil, or a crisis like what's going on in Syria and what's what's happening in Palestine, I think the issue is not the immigration itself. It's whatever crises crisis is happening back home. But if it's like a European person who wants to move to the states, then that is still considered immigration it's just for different reasons so i think immigration if we just strip it of any connotation there's nothing wrong with it there is no need for a solution but because it's caused by the war in, like so the war in syria and like whatever is happening in asia southeast asia like everywhere around the world i think that those are the problems that we should be targeting and not immigration like looking at immigration as a problem
0: right I like I like that I like that for sure um the other thing that I want to talk about sort of it's gonna be like a wrap-up argument is when you look at the cultural boundaries and we look at sort of the difficulties as a result of conflict within your home it's it's very hard and very difficult to put yourself in the in like in that position and, and and like in their shoes for example we probably will never experience anything like that of a refugee unless, again, something happens to us in this. A lot, you know what I mean? Whatever happens. But how thoughts and prayers can go a long way. But how, as an individual, do you think that you can have an impact in, I want to say, helping someone transition or helping someone acclimate to a new place, someone's displaced? How, you mentioned, like, again, you have that Syrian club, you're telling people about Syria and everything. You're from Philistine again. You're right in the center of like all the action. How as an individual do you think that we can have an impact, considering that there's seven point eight, seven point nine billion people in the world? We're just one person. How do you have a greater impact than your footprints
1: I think we can just communities such as a club or um, such as a fundraiser page, a GoFundMe, because I definitely think we can all start off by making the monetary contributions, and that can go a long way. Um, just with giving the family something to lay back on um something off their plate and then afterwards i feel like if you know anyone in the community you can reach out to that person you can be a friend to them you can help them ease the transition uh
2: i think so too i mean i i don't have much experience mm-hmm. in cuz i like Technically I haven't really immigrated. I still go back home very often. Right. I'm just here to study, so I don't consider myself someone who has moved to the States. I'm just here temporarily and temporary is for years. <laughs> but if someone is feeling like they're if someone if someone if a Palestinian immigrant were to come to the States, I would just give them a home outside of home. I think that feeling of being welcomed is good and then that would like once you help someone out then you can help out a community and that community would um, impact a larger um, community maybe a city like New York and then so on and so, like so on so I think once you make some change in someone that change will not only affect you it'll affect many people around you
0: I like that
1: and I think a lot of the issues that some of the refugees face are psychologically based Um, I feel like when you're away from home, and that goes back to what Zina said, it is very important to help them with the transition. I feel like other than that, that relationship will help them.
2: Yeah.
0: For sure. I like that. Well, Zina, Abdullah, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming out. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for talking more about your experiences, about what it's like to be a first-genner. Sounds like Kylie Jenner. I don't know. It keeps throwing me <laughs> off. Thank you so much, Zina, for telling us about exploring difficulties of coming here and mm-hmm. sort of the life transition. For all those tuning in, thank you so much for listening again. I appreciate it. It's your host, Amen Stay tuned once a week for the new and latest episode. Do not forget, do more, know more, meet more. Thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye.